On today's podcast, I talk to Ali Webb, the founder of Dry Bar, who is a living, breathing example of just how high one can climb and how fast one can fall. We talk all about this today and Ali's new book, The Messy Truth, How I Sold My Business for Millions But Almost Lost Myself. Let's dive in. Ellie, it's so lovely to meet you. I have enjoyed some dry bar experiences myself, so I had to quickly go do my hair again to make sure they look decent for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Looks great. I bet, you, I bet you everyone does that. Anyway, it's lovely to have you on the show, and I love, love the title of your book. It's the best. It's the best because it fits in with this book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, and one of the big things I tell people all the time is it's okay to be a mess. I think it's my favorite phrase, and your, <laughs> your book is called The Messy Truth. Yes. And I mean, that's just beautiful. And so welcome. And I'm really looking forward to diving into this conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you're right. It's all, it's all really messy. <laughs> um, Everything, life, parenting, yeah. business, the whole lot. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that was kind of, you know, the impetus for the book from the outside you know, somewhat exciting and glamorous and whatever you want to call it, you know, what would look like my life potentially. And, you know, and while there is, there are so many amazing parts and so, so much to be grateful for, there's also a lot on the other side that's, you know, messy and hard and, um, you know, life is just full of ups and downs. A lot of them we, we don't expect, you know, and so the, the book, The Messy Truth, is um it's my second book. My first book was uh a more like hair tutorial called the dry bar guide to good hair for all. Um and this, you know, this this new book, The Messy Truth, goes a lot deeper into really my whole journey from, you know, when I was young and how I grew up with entrepreneurial parents, you know, which were very influential on my life and who I ultimately became. Um, and then, you know, all the the messy stuff in the middle of like you know, try, building a relation, building a, a business with your, you know, my now um, ex-husband and my brother and, um, you know, and, and navigating raising kids. And it's just, you know, life is, is really messy. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, you know, it's beautiful. And it's also, you know, there's also just like a lot that happens in, in all of those relationships and, whether it's business or personal. And so the book kind of dives into really all of those things that I have been navigating or I navigated for the last like, you know, 10 years or so building dry bar. So for just for, for my listeners, um, you know, and, and a common thread for me always was hair. Like I, I was always, I grew up in South Florida where it was mm-hmm. so humid. And so my naturally curly hair was like amplified. And yes, yeah, that really- happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to a lot of women. And, you know, and I always like was kind of intrigued and fascinated by, you know, when I would see, you know, models and people on TV with like this, you know, bouncy, beautiful, like smooth hair. And I was like, how do we get it like that? You know, yeah. and, as a girl. And, and, you know, that was like the seed that would ultimately inform the rest of my life, frankly. Um, and so anyways, after school, I went to beauty, after high school, I went to beauty school. I didn't go to, you know, college. And then I moved to New York city and, and I became a hairstylist and I, you know, my, my parents like didn't totally love that path for me at the time. Um, but I thought, you know, I'd go, um, he, you know, he was born in LA and, and so was my second son. And, and so I was a stay at home mom for 
about five years. And I just kind of got the bug after being at home with my boys, which I loved. And, you know, I don't, there's nothing I love more than my boys, but um, I just wanted to do something for myself. And hair was yeah. like the thing that I knew really well. So I started a mobile blowout business um, around LA and I was only charging 40 bucks, which wow. it was two twenties felt easy. And I, and I wanted it to be affordable enough where I would get busy really. And that yeah. was like the business model. And so I started this little business after being in LA for about five years. And I had like a really just a network of like mommy friends because I was like in the thick of it with my kids at that point. Yeah. And, um, and so I started this mobile business, which was really at the time, like really gratifying for me because I was like able to get out and do something on my own, get away from the kids for a few hours, yeah. make a little cash and whatever. And they're, mm-hmm. but, and, and, you know, a lot of women would go for blowouts there, but they were, you know, they weren't, wasn't a great experience. You're sitting next to a kid getting a haircut and all the things, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I felt, I felt like even as like a young adult, as I was growing up, like I wished that I could get an affordable blowout because, you know, historically, yeah. You would if if there wasn't that option of like more of a discount chain, then there was like a full service salon where you were paying, especially if you live in LA or New York, you were paying upwards of like 70, 80 bucks, if not a hundred bucks for a blowout. So it was something that women were doing infrequently, only for like a special occasion, like a wedding, yeah. bar mitzvah, or whatever. And so that's when the light bulb went off for me. I was like, you know, I think I'm onto something with not charging a lot. And with my mobile business, I was, again, I was only charging 40 bucks. So I thought, surely there's something here. And Mm -hmm. I went to my brother, Michael, and I said, um, um, you know, I feel like there, you know, I should turn my mobile business into a brick and mortar. And instead of me going to my clients' homes, that they should come to me. And Michael was, you know, immediately like, got it. Um, and, and interestingly, Cameron, you know, who's the creative mastermind, but I mean, you know, so we opened the first one in February of 2010. We had no idea, really no idea yeah, that it would resonate the way it did. And, you know, we opened at $35. That's how much the blowouts were. I mean, it's so, wow. so cheap, but yeah. it was, you know, but the, the, the brilliance of it, I think is that it looked and felt really high end and the blowouts were really good. And the ambiance was great. We did great music. We had a flat screen TV or we have a flat screen TV. It's I've, I'll get to this, but I've since sold the business. So I kind of yeah. talk in past tense, but they're still alive and well and doing great. But you know, the, the flat screen TVs that show like the chick flick and you can read the subtitles and it was just a great experience as, yeah. you know, as well as like, you can sit there on your laptop and work, you know, for 45 minutes as, as well. You end up running yeah. Friends. It was just so many things about it that were great. And it was only $35. So yeah, it, like, it huge took off. Like, you know, we were, we found ourselves on a, a rocket ship very quickly and realized like, whoa, like, holy shit, we are on to something and <laughs> this is going to change our whole lives. Wow. That is so, that's an exciting, that's such an exciting and encouraging lead up. And there's a lot of stuff that goes, you know, it sounds like, oh, wow, it was so easy. I know it wasn't easy because running our own business is so many yeah. hours of sacrifice. And easy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I love this, the, the subtitle of your book, How I Sold My Business for Millions, but Almost Lost Myself. And, you know, you go into the fact that, yeah, you don't, I love the comment, like you have a lot of really cute comments in the book where you say, it's not all in my pockets, you know, it's like just the way that you're very down to earth, I think is fantastic because there is that, as you started off saying, this unrealistic experience expectation that people look at the external curated life and oh you're so wealthy and so successful but you still had to deal with so much stuff and I was I was so on this 
you know, this success, you know, run and the business was just, you know, taking off and it was so exhilarating and exciting. But, you know, there was a lot of things kind of in my personal life that I wasn't really paying attention to. And, you know, it was like, Cam and I had these two beautiful boys and when they were, you know, three and five, we started dry bar. And then I, you know, and dry bar became like my third baby. And, um, you know, and and so you become, so I think it's good. It's like, it's like the double-edged sword as an entrepreneur, you Mm -hmm. become so focused on this thing and this goal, you know, that you, you, you kind of get tunnel vision for it. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that's what happened for me. It was like, it just became our whole lives. And my parents had their own business and they would talk about it all the time. It was called flips. And every night they would, all they talked about was flips, you know, and that was just like, that was how life was, you know? And so that's how I kind of thought of it too, is like, this was our, our business. And, you know, my husband and I were both in it. So we talked about it all the time. And, you know, I think that I got very caught up in it and, you know, realized that I wasn't, emotionally really happy in my life that I, I am good. I've done the work. I'm good. Like let's on to the next chapter. And oh well, man. That's like the worst thing you could think, isn't it? Because like, as you just as soon as you think like then the next thing comes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's really what I have found um in just my my experience with life. And is that is it's just there's always another something around the corner that you, you know, that you can be willing or not willing to see. And I think that I've lived a lot of my life in this like distraction mode, which I think a lot of us do when we're distracting and we live in such a day and age where it's just mm-hmm. so damn easy to distract. Oh, so easy. Yeah. So easy. Yeah. So, but, so, so in that process of realizing that, you know, you had to deal with, you were losing yourself and you were losing your marriage and yet you've got the successful business. What did you do? You said you did the work. What did you do? How did you handle that? Because you had two small kids at that time as well, didn't you? Yeah. And, and, you know, my, at that time, my boys were about 13 or 11 and 13. Um, and so it was hard on them and, but they mm-hmm. knew too, like the writing was kind of on the wall and they knew our marriage. I, I felt pretty strongly that, and I still feel this way that I think that it's, you know, I think it's better to get out of a marriage versus showing your children what a good marriage is, doesn't look like, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if you agree with that, but I just was like, I don't, I don't want my kids to grow up thinking this is the benchmark for a healthy marriage, you know? And, you know, my parents' yeah. marriage was also very, um, like they were best friends and that's how me and Cam yeah. work. And I can tell you like five years or so after getting divorced, we're, we're pretty like stop doing the work, you know? And so I no, think as an entrepreneur, yeah, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, just as a human, frankly, it's like, yeah. you know, finding that balance, which I, you know, I, like you said, one of the chapters is called balance is bullshit because it's, it is, it's never balanced. And I'm sure you would agree. It's like, yeah you know, sometimes things are going really well over here and like work. And then you're like, wait a second, I haven't been paying attention to my kids or my marriage. Like I need, you know, and, and, and I yeah. think it's sort of like a, a whack-a-mole situation, you know, where you're like, Constantly you're putting whack-a-mole. out fire. What's that? Whack-a-mole, that game, whack-a-mole. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, that's like, for me, that's like the ultimate metaphor for life or my life anyways, is like, this area is great oh shit, this area is not, you know, and I'm constantly in this battle of like, you know, trying to figure it out. So I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it hasn't really happened for me where it's, everything's been really smooth at one time, you know? And I think that's yeah. kind of like the, the entrepreneurial, you know, journey is, is that, you know, you have to get to a place where you're okay 
with yeah. things not being okay all the time. And, and exactly. I think that's really where I got to um, is, is learning that you got to roll with the punches. I mean, I was always very like, the sky's always, the sky's falling. If, if like there's one problem with the business, then I would, you know, take it on as like, everything's wrong and the business is going to not work. And I had to, you know, I had to learn that that's not, that's not the way it is, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that you, you can ride the storms and the waves and, and still survive emotionally and, and on a, from a business perspective. Listeners, if you've been on the hunt to find a skincare product that can actually deliver what they promise, OneSkin has what you've been looking for. Thanks to the disruptive approach that targets skin aging at the source, their products are powered by a groundbreaking peptide, OS1, which is the first ingredient scientifically proven to prevent the accumulation of aged senescent cells, the primary culprit behind skin aging. And the real magic? OS1 has actually been proven in the lab to reduce the biological age of skin by several years, meaning it not only prevents but slows down skin aging, leaving you with a healthier, more hydrated and glowing skin. In a third-party 12-week clinical study performed by a third-party research organization, OS1 01 Face was clinically proven to strengthen the skin barrier, improve skin health markers and diminish visible signs of aging. Wrinkles were diminished by 87% of users. Indeed, alongside my man, mind management routine, OneSkin's products have become an essential part of my daily wellness routine. I especially love the OS01 Eye Topical Supplement, which has dramatically improved the wrinkles and bags around my eyes, giving me a more refreshed and youthful glow as I go about my day. OneSkin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They truly create next-level skincare. And for a limited time, our listeners can enjoy an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code DRLEAF when you check out at oneskin.co. That's 15% off with the code DRLEAF at oneskin.co. The holidays are here and it's the perfect opportunity to invest in your skin health routine and give your skin something to be truly thankful for. The link and details will be in the show notes. That's very good. And I know that you, uh, uh, there's a couple of things you said that are, I just want to come back and full circle back because I know people have probably tuned in as well. How you said that you you did the work, but you actually didn't fully do the work because you didn't find the source. And that right. I know you're working through my arrive at a destination and then you'll be okay. You never arrive at that destination. And that's really what we have to accept is it's an ongoing process of dealing with change. So something I always say to my kids and I've said to all my patients is the one thing we can be sure about is change. And how are we going to manage that change? How are we going to recognize how we show up and deconstruct and reconstruct and reconceptualize so that we can understand that I'm showing up like this because of, but how am I, I can't fix the change, the story. I can't fix what people did to me or what experience I had. It happened. It's part of me, but I can change how it plays out into my future. And I see that, you know, with what you've, what you've been doing and how you've been, you know, through your book and the process, that you, the way you're talking, the way you are explaining yourself is you're in this deconstruction, reconstruction phase of your life, which yeah. Hello is the rest of your life. <laughs> this is what this is what well, you're going to be I doing think, for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's really you know what you said is is very true and profound. It's like you know the 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 accepting that things are going to change, you know, one way or the other, you know, which I think is good news for some people, and maybe bad news for others. You know, it's yeah. like you know, it's like if things are not going well, it's pretty good news. If things are going really well, you're like, oh no, what's going to she going to drop? That? <laughs> right. Which is, which is also probably how I've lived both most of my life. <laughs> opportunity after opportunity was all so amazing. Yeah. But there's something dangerous too about, and about the, um, 
the over indexing on that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. and I remember uh, I had Gary V on my podcast last year or so, and he talked about, he had talked about it before. And I think I brought it up during our podcast. I don't have my podcast anymore, but it was called Raising the Bar. If anybody wants to go back and listen, I think it's still there. But he talked, <laughs> he had talked about it at some point, And I think he's talked about this a lot is, is, is like the, you are the, the healthiest emotionally when, you can be okay, like in the middle, like you don't Mm -hmm. get so affected by the praise and you don't get so taken down by By the the Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's like one of the things that I've really been, you know, mentally striving for is just to like be a little more in the middle, you know, because I'm very passionate and I'm very like, (laughs) you know, like I love the high highs, you know, and I have, I've lived my life like that, which has been like a little bit to my detriment of like, I got to just be okay with things just being a little like calmer. Um, So anyways, that was just something that came to mind around, you know, acceptance of where things are at. And, you know, and I, and I think that that kind of straddles the fence with business as well is like, you know, Mm. there's only so many things that you can do in a day. And, and I, I talk a lot in the book about, you know, about, um, you know, like over prioritizing yourself and, you know, there's yeah. only so much you can do in one day. And how do we take the pressure off as a leader or as anybody, I mean, you know, whether you're working for somebody or you're the boss or whatever, you know, it's like understanding what are the most important things to focus on and, mm-hmm. and working that out with your team. An entire change. I and mean, that's where the growth process comes in. And in this day and age yeah. to try and help people, you accept that. And for me, from looking at your book and just hearing you talk and that kind of thing, you've really learned that on the almost on the fly. Because one of the things you do talk about in business is people often ask you, you know, what is a successful business? Which they're going to ask you because of who you are, because of what you've done, and because of your exposure. And you have a, a couple of times you said you've made comments like you you had a there's a certain amount you can prepare for. You had a desire, you had you interested in hair and whatever, but it was very much learning on the fly. I'd love you to talk to that. I, I don't even know if those are the words you use, but something similar along those lines. Yeah, I, thought that, like, yeah, sure. I thought that was great because that is very much what in business, yes, and in life, yes. You know, if you let's talk a little bit about. You know, I was lucky enough to be, you know, surrounded by some really great people in my, in my brother yeah. and camp. And so I was, but a lot of it was really learning as I went and it was learning on the go. Um, you know, and some of the stuff I managed better than others. But I'll tell you what I think I know now that I didn't know then as we were growing the business was um, there, you know, I, there was, I put so much pressure on myself and I felt like in those, especially in the early days of dry bar, I felt like I had to have all the answers. I had Mm. to know all the things. Like I had to like, because where was everybody going to go? If there was like a question or there was something that needed to be dealt with or answered, the buck stopped with me. Like that you was had it. To have the answers. Yeah. I had to have the answer. And but I what I what I did, what I would do differently now than I did before was is, is that I I was kind of like, okay, I'm just gonna have the answer and I'm gonna figure it out. And it may be wrong and whatever. And if it is, and we'll, we'll figure it out, which is true. But now I now I'm much more open to like, I don't I would I would say to my team now and any people who I work with now, I'm like, I don't really know. Like, what do you think? you know, and, and have a like comfort with a, lot less, a lot less ego of like, I don't actually know everything just because my name's on the door and I'm the boss and blah, blah, blah. Like 
I don't actually know all the answers where I had this like, you know, this, this delusion idea, this delusional idea that like I had to, I just didn't know any better. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm the boss. So I must know the answers where, you know, that wasn't actually the case most of the time, you know, I think that I had, I think that I had, and I have good intuition and, and, you know, I think, but I think creating an environment Wait till that passes. Sorry. You were saying about the fact that you've learned on um, what you've really learned is that you don't know everything. That's very profound because as a business owner myself, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, Ellie, but my entire family is my core team. So my husband's my CEO, my the, the my producer's one of my daughters, and my other daughter handles customer service. My other daughter's one of my research team. My son co-writes books with yeah. me. So yeah, we we understand the whole family dynamic thing that you've grown up in. I get that. When you were speaking, yeah. I was not nodding inside and laughing inside, but they come to me. I'm the center of the that this is my idea. So yeah. people come to me as well. If there's an issue, I've got to try and solve the basic core concept of the content um, and accept technology and things like that, obviously. So I get what you're saying. So you said you've learned a very key profound thing and that's to carry on. What did, what yeah, did you... I mean, yeah, I feel like um, I, as I was in the first couple of years of, you know, this business and being in charge and trying to, you know, figure out everything, all the problems. And and like I was saying, everybody would come to me and, and, and I felt, you know, this kind of pressure that I had to know what to do. And oftentimes I didn't know what to do. And now, you know, that shifted for me so much of like, you know, being like, again, I, I think a lot of it's ego. And I think that is probably some of the work that I've done on myself is like, you know, I can, I can get other people involved, you know, and create an environment where, you know, that people are, are contributing to an, an answer or result of something that's going on versus like this hierarchy of like, I'm the boss. And so I just have all the answers. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and, 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 and I think part of that came from my, I do talk about this in the book. I think that my brother you know, was one of the first people to pull me aside and tell me that like, everybody was scared of me. And I was like, what? And he was like, they're scared of you because, you know, you are scary. <laughs> and I was like, why am I scary? Oh, you know, I that. It, it, you know, and he was because you, you get, you know, you can, you could read on my face if I was annoyed yeah. with the situation, which I, it is something that I still like really work on is like, I, yeah. I get very, um, I get very easily annoyed. I get very easily frustrated and I've had to work on like pulling that back. And, and my brother's point was like, you know, people can see it in your face. And, and so there's this like fear around talking to you. And when you create an environment of fear, it's like, it's just bad news. And so I had to really take that to heart and, you know, and, and, and usually I think as leaders, when your behavior is a certain way, it's like, you're kind of the last one to the party to know. know, Yeah. It's like everybody around you has is like already well aware of it. And you're like, oh shit, I do do that, huh? You know, and like you're you know, like, maybe yeah. nobody noticed, you know, but but everybody notices. And so, you know, I think that I, you know, I think I've been fortunate to have people like my brother and our CEO, John, who came in about four or five years into the company, you know, people who would like really tell me the truth, you That's know, which is, which is something that I... I mean, there's nothing more I hate than being surrounded by like, yes, people and people oh, who gosh, just no. think I want to hear, you know, it's the worst. Yeah, don't grow. Mm-hmm. 
and it's, you know, it's such an ego thing. And, and I, you know, it's like, I talk about it a lot and, and, you know, and I think a lot of people understand that and feel that way, but there, there are still a lot of people out there that are like, yeah. just tell me what I want to hear. And it's just like, ugh, it's the worst for me. So, you know, surrounding yourself with people who are going to give it to you straight and they're going to tell you, you know, here's what's really going on, you know, is, is a, is a really important thing when you're building yeah. a business just in your life, you know, exactly. I think that like unspoken conversations of things that are happening business and professionally professionally and personally are really when things start to unravel when you're not having the real conversations, you know, which I've experienced in a lot of different ways in my life. And, and it's a big, brutal lesson to learn of like, oh shit, we weren't talking about that. And mm-hmm. now look what's happened, you know, like resentment builds. And, and, and it happens for, I think when people are you know, at a job where they're not happy, but they're, they're too afraid to tell their boss because their boss has created this environment of fear. And so I'm you're so like, there's crazy. no way I'm going to tell my boss, I'm just going to up and quit one day, you know? And for me, I always wanted people to feel like you can tell me what's going on. And if this, if this job and this situation isn't working for you anymore, let's talk about it. And yeah. without the fear of like, Oh, I'm going to fire you because like you're, because you're kind of unhappy in your role, you know, quite mm-hmm. the opposite. Like I like either let's figure out a new role for you or, or let's like send you out on a high note and I'll be happy to recommend you and whatever, you know, it's, it's interesting exactly. to me. How a lot of people will go to this, like, Oh, I'm just going to quit. You know, but I, I think that's my fault as, as a boss of like, I've created an environment where you don't think that you can tell me without getting in trouble, you know? Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm the same way in my relationships. Like, I, yeah. you know, my kids have told me that too, that like, sometimes they're, they don't know what version of me they're going to get. You know, if, if you were interviewing my children, that is exactly what they would say. They're like, sometimes we get like the really nice understanding mom. And sometimes we get yeah. the like, she's going to lose her shit, mom, you know, and I don't, I don't want that, you know? And so that's yeah. another thing that I'm working through of like, again, it goes back to what I was saying in the, in the, be- in the beginning of us talking yeah. is like staying yeah. in this neutral, calm zone. And, and one of the things that I've had to really work on is like that self mastery of like, don't, if not being so up and not being so down and being a little bit more in the middle. And that's where you've been, you talk about losing yourself in this whole process that's what I'm hearing you say that the losing yourself was with these huge swings and not learning yes. to listen. And you've learned. So as a person, there's a huge amount of growth that's happened from your brilliant idea and being so successful and being able to drive this process. Cause it was your idea that you drove and, you know, you brought people, you brought the experts along with you, like your ex-husband and your brother who had skills, but you put you, you, you were able to create this unit, but as a person, yeah. you started losing yourself but yes. by finding yourself again, it's changed a lot of stuff. It's yes. changed a lot of stuff in getting to that neutral zone. I'm hearing you say you find yourself, you found yourself in that neutral zone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's probably one of the best lessons I've learned and probably one of the best lessons I can impart is like, you know, it's like the old cliche, like learning to to roll with the punches, yeah. which is like, you know, is is really true. It's like learning to not be so reactive either way, you know, of like, everything's like going great and the business is on fire. And so you want to be ecstatic and whatever, but I guarantee you the next day, something else is going to break. Something will happen. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to be like, okay, we're going to fix it and we're going to figure it out, you know, versus like, oh my God, you know? And, and again, I have felt that in my, in my personal relationships, um, you know, and even with my kids, like feeling like, 
you know, I, I just, I can, and I, and I have to fight this. It's not like it just yeah. went away. No. You know, when something happens, I need to be like, take a deep breath. Don't, don't react so fast. Don't send that email. Don't send that text, you know, like give it a yes. beat, you know, cause I used to be that person very much. I would be like mad and angry and like fire off. And I'm like, I just do whatever I want, you know? And, and like, it's just not a, it's not a healthy way to live. And it's, you know, it alienates people, whether it's personally or professionally, you know, and I've learned that, you know, there's, there's, there's real like wisdom in, in like that self mastery of like, I'm going to not react right now. And I'm going to be aware, you know, and I think that's like a whole other thing is like self-awareness of like how I'm acting and how I'm showing up. Oh, absolutely. So that's a huge part of the work that I've done is to help ourselves, including myself to, and to stand back and self-regulate and observe how you're showing up. What are your emotions? What are your behaviors? What are you, you know, what are you saying and doing? What's, what's going on in your body? What's going on with your perspective? And to actually analyze that and then track that back to, okay, what's this coming from? And yeah. how can I control that and all the brain preparation and breathing and all that stuff that goes around that. And that's a skill that we need to teach our kids from as you can teach us from as young as two. I mean, I just released a book on how to help your children clean up their mental mess in terms of these kinds of skills and they, it's lifelong. I mean, it's, I, I'm 60, I've been in this world for, and I'm still practicing it. I still catch myself. But what, what I've learned as well from just experiences and sort of, you know, experiences that you've had as well of running a business, being a parent in wisdom of age, et cetera, et cetera. And all the experiences you've had is that you, that reactivity, it's, it's the worst, like one of the worst things as a parent, as a partner, as a business owner, just as a friend, just in life, it's so exhausting. And yeah. that's really definitely that reactivity really can make you lose yourself. Yeah. You know? So that's, I'm really glad you raised that point. It's, it's an excellent point. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, as, I think as you get older and you go through these things and you see what's worked and what hasn't worked. And, you know, for, for me, it was like, you know, this business was my whole life, you know, yeah, and I, it was everything. And it was totally my identity. And I'm finding now on the flip side of that, like, who am I now without that? You know, and so yeah. I I don't I don't think it's wise to completely tie yourself up into a to one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So good. You know, I, I think it's like you have to like try to, you know, again, it's like, you know, I, I think it's like the tight grip that we can all have on relationships, on our, on our work, on our kids, whatever it is. It's like you, you know, I, I've learned that the holding on so tightly for something is, 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 is a bad idea, you know? And yeah. in, in the moment it, you know, it feels like, you know, it's like a scarcity or fear, you know, that you're going to lose something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, ultimately like holding on really tight, isn't going to change anything. It's only going to make it worse, you know? And, exactly. and I think that that's, you know, I largely identified who I was with just the founder of dry bar, you know? And now I'm like, on the other side, like figuring out like who I am and what's important to me now and, and all of that. And, you know, <laughs> life's so crazy like that, you know, it's like, it is. and I, and I love what you said in the beginning about, you know, cause everything changes, you know, it's yeah. just like from minute to minute, moment to moment, things change and, and being able to be really present in the moment, um, without like future tripping or worrying about the past, you know, as I think the, the way, the best way to live. I love it. I love the fact that I'm hearing you say you are finding yourself. So you've maybe lost yourself, but you're in the process of finding yourself. And that yeah. finding yourself is actually who is Ellie. 
Ellie's not dry web. She's a dry web, dry bar. Listen, Ellie web, dry That's web. I got it. Isn't there we go? You got a new thing there. There's a new thing. Uh, a dry web. That's so funny. Okay. So it's not so much about, you know, identifying with what you did, but it's who are you? And then those are the things that are part of your life, your marriage, your yeah. children, you know, your, your business and your book and all these things. And I think that's the key message that, that I got from, you know, looking, re- chatting with you, looking through your book is that you, you openly say you lost yourself by having the wrong focus and by mm. neutralizing, learning to neutralize, you literally started rewiring your psychoneurobiological networks to find your identity. And from there, you can get more acceptance of all the changes that happen in life. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's kind of how I summarize up how I hear you, what I hear you saying, because it's, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the book talks a lot of, you know, the book is basically like all of the, you know, it's, it's primarily probably excuse a little yeah. bit more to like all the business lessons I learned along so the good. way, yeah. you know, of like, and, and again, it's like so much of who we are personally reflects how we act in business, you know, and That's they're not for things, you know, so um, the, the book really focuses on, you know, the things that I did that I think worked really well. And, and, and the things that I did that, that didn't work well, that in retrospect, I, I would probably do different. Like I was saying, like, I, yeah. I now realize like the importance of, like, I, I touched on like the team, but like allowing other people to step in, make mistakes and everybody's got to learn that way, you know, and the business is not going to fall apart and be, and die just not because one mistake was made, which is how I used to think, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, cr- again, like creating a team that feels like they can go out and, take control of of a situation that I don't always have to be as, as, you know, the company, I don't always have to be the one calling every shot, you know? And I think that was another Mm -hmm. big thing, you know, theme, which again, it was a personal thing too, of like, I, I had a hard time letting go of, Mm. you know, we brought in a professional CEO, we brought in a head of retail, we brought in all these different people that started to do a lot of the things that I was doing on a very small scale. And, and back to like my point about having a tight grip, I had such a tight grip on all of these things that I was in charge of. And now I had to hand them over to somebody and, you know, it's natural to think, well, no one's going to do it as good as I can, which isn't true by the way. Um, You know, they're much better at a lot of the stuff than I was, but it's, you know, it's like letting them take the reins and run with them, but having enough like communication with them, to keep you know, your vision that, going. Yeah. And and I think that was like, and I talk about this in the book too, about how, yeah. you know, some people who came into dry bar at, that were in like major leadership roles that I, that it really worked with. And I really jived with, and we like connected and it was great and had open communication. And so they knew what was important to me and, and they, I knew what they were good at. And, and then there were other people that came into the company that didn't communicate well with me and I didn't communicate well with them. And I was just like secretly like getting frustrated and like, you know, sulking about it and complaining to my brother about it when I should have been having a conversation about it. I Right. Which I didn't do, but now I know how important that is. And I, and I talk and highlight about a lot of those situations. Yeah. You know, because I think those uncomfortable conversations that we don't like having, but you actually have to have them for progress to happen. And I still don't like having them. Like, you know, like I don't, I, I don't like them. And like, when I think no. about like, conversations that I have to have that I don't want to have is it makes my stomach hurt and I don't like oh, it, I know. But, but we all know. And it's like, you, have to. you can just make yourself do it. Um, it, because it's for it, because here's the, here's the, the thing. And you know, this on the other side, yeah, it's so much better. Like exactly. all 
you know, all of the worry and like, oh, I don't want to have this conversation. If you actually have it, when you come to the other side of it, everything's better. And if it's not better, it's going to, it's going to not work out and you're going to anyway. go your separate And that's good to know that's now. That's okay. Yeah. And that's good anyway. That's fine. It doesn't, not everything has to end up being that you stay in business together or stay in a marriage together. As long as you've had those conversations and there aren't all those assumptions hanging in the air as these big exactly. elephants in the room, which are terrible because they yeah. do just, they end up just exploding like a volcano anyway. And it's, it's not even worth it. It all comes to the surface, you know, yeah, no it does everything what you're talking about life. Exactly. Love business. It all comes to the surface. Two more things, quick things I'd like to touch on. And that is the fact that parenting is messy. It's hard. And in the process of running a business and parenting, I know I do the same thing. I have four children. I've worked my entire life. I have a big oh. research team. I have I do this. I do other stuff. I run a practice. I get it. I, I, I get, and it's hard. And also we, we're going to mess up our kids' lives anyway, because we were messed up by our parents. And I'm not kind of saying that in a facetious way, but they, <laughs> your parents and our parents were someone's daughter and son as well but the thing I think what's really key is that we actually own that and then give our children the ability to say hey mom hey dad that really upset me or you did this or you did that and being able to accept that from your children and say I'm so sorry I you know that, that I did thank you for giving me your perspective and thanks for letting me see how it impacted you how could we sort this out together that's kind of been how I've handled it I'd love to hear you know your take on parenting and and the challenges yeah. you've gone through with parenting. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you, you know, I mean, I, when we think back to like our parents, you know, at least my upbringing was like, you know, kind of this, like children should be seen and not heard. Oh, like, gosh. All, yeah. You yeah. know, but, you know, <laughs> and yeah, I think that like, we all do mess our children up to a certain extent. We don't, we don't think we're going to, but you know, we're just, we go, I think we go on autopilot a little bit. Like we're just doing the best we can. And, and I, exactly. my, my parents, they can, you know, my parents were so exactly. young at us. Um, but yeah, to your point, I feel like, I think the big, the best lessons I've learned with my kids, especially, you know, with my older son, Grant, which I, I talk a lot about him in the book because he went through such a hard time and it's, it's all in there, you know, his, his going into rehab and right, right around the divorce. And it was like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was hell and it was, us, and it was, uh, you know, it was, it was rough. And, and it's the, the whole thing is, is I talk about the whole thing in the book and he's read the chapter and he approved it and all that. That's and he's great. doing incredibly well. You know, he just went to college. He got a football scholarship. Beautiful. So we went through hell and back, but you know, when, when Grant, which started out as like smoking pot, and I was very like, you shouldn't do that. And here's why you shouldn't do it. And it's bad. And this is what's going to happen. And you're going to ruin your life and blah, 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 blah. Like very luxury, you know, because I was like, I'm smarter. I know better. I'm older. I'm the parent. And it's the same. Like you can see the same parallel yeah. in what I was talking about before. It's like, because I'm in this role, you know, and I used to say to my kids yeah. a lot, like I'm alive for a lot longer than you have. And like, I know more and like, oh, well, done it. Eight- Huh? I know if you think about that, be cringe, don't feel. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, I hate that I said that, and I, you know, but I, you know, it was like part of part of my my soul's journey of learning this stuff exactly. is like now I know, and what I've learned through a lot of like the work that I did in that time, and was that, oh, I need to get a lot more curious with my kids, and instead of me like telling Grant he shouldn't do this and he shouldn't do that, you know, it's like, why, you know, what's going on for you? Why? do you need to do this? And how do you feel about this? And why do you feel the need to smoke pot? And why do you feel the need to do this? And blah, blah, blah. You know, and asking more questions and getting more curious, which curious, I wasn't. Yeah. You know, I was like, 
this is how it is. And you shouldn't be doing this. And what I learned over Grant's experience was like, he, he needed to feel seen and heard. And I was not mm-hmm. making him feel this way. I was making him feel like you're bad for what you're doing and mm-hmm. you better stop. You know, it's like, and that is like the, the worst, worst thing. Yeah. Thing. Worst, yeah, yeah. I just didn't know any better, you know? And once I like yeah. got some help and started talking to more people about it and, and understood, started to understand that, you know, the more curious I was about what he was going what through. He's going form, through. Yeah. And the more I, questions I asked and the more I like shut up and let him talk was really when things started to improve and he, and really when our relationship got a lot better and he, cause you know, I mean, I'm, I know you're the expert on this, but you know, no, it's like, you're an expert to your parents. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, our kids are going to do what they're going to do. And, and, you know, yeah. I read some, I read this poem years ago that my best friend sent me that was like, it's a beautiful poem and I can't even begin to, to regurgitate it. But the, the takeaway from it is that our kids are who they are and we are just conduits that get them to this earth. Love it. Yeah. And, and they are going to be who they're going to be and we can guide exactly. them and feed them the best that we can, but ultimately they're going to be who they're going to be, exactly. you know? And I, that I was, I was also in this, in the same like mindset I was with dry bar of like, Oh, I have control, which control that's, is such. That's a, Yeah. That's like, yeah. I had control over what Grant was doing or not doing. And, and then I realized like, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. all I can do is try to like help him lead him when he wants my help, you know, when he wants, you know, help. And, 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 and it eventually he did because I like loosened my grip yep. and I was like, listen, I'm just here for you. Love what is whatever you need? And, you know, and I've, and I've talked to a lot of like, I have a friend who's an older parent and, you know, and she's like, and her kids are grown and she's like, I really don't, bother my kids. And I don't mean like bother them, but she's like, I don't like nag them. I'm not texting them all the time. I like, let them come to me when they want to talk. Best, to me, yeah. you know? and, and, you know, and I, and I'm like, and maybe I'm, this is top of mind for me because my son just left for college, but I'm like really trying to give him the space. Like, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to like God. chat with him a little every day, but I'm not going to do that. You know, it's, he actually FaceTimed me last night and it was on Sunday night. So I was like, maybe this should be like our Sunday night ritual. And he's like, I love that, you know? And it was like, oh, that's okay. lovely. Like, yeah. No, I have some, I, on Sunday nights and he's, he's very much of his word on Sunday nights. We'll have our FaceTime. And I know I have that to look forward to and I don't need to lovely. feel, you know, and that's there and it lies a form of communication like that we had where, where I probably was a little guilty of not having the conversation. Cause I was a little bit like, I don't want to have this conversation. Like, so when can we talk? And that feels weird, but you know, but it just naturally happened, luckily. And we get, we decided we were going to talk on every Sunday night. And like that's now Perfect. our thing. And it's great, you know, just because a conversation was had. So I love that. I love that. It's a whole parenting is a whole facilitative, collaborative, deep, meaningful connection versus a controlling you do it because I said so. I'm the adult, I'm the parent. It's it's so different that 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 when I mean, you move into that kind of thing, it's so satisfying. And your children are your best friends as they grow up. And you know, these yeah. always they're always your children, but and there's always that need for you to connect with them. But it's collaborative and it's facilitative. And you know, that yeah. that's that's how you as you said, they each they're gonna do what they're gonna do anyway. But if we can provide that collaborative, facilitative, safe environment, at least they can come to us and share. We can talk things through and find things out, which is and it's amazing so how I'm sure you, I'm sure that I, I actually, I know the book, the parenting book that you mentioned, I was looking at it and it's so interesting. And I think one of the things that I'm witnessing a lot in my, my best friend who has a four-year-old daughter, you know, is like, 
the way that they talk to her is, is like, it, it is so different than how I talk to my kids or how my parents talk to me. And I, I was in like a grocery store a couple of weeks ago and I heard this mom talking to her kid and she was like, her kid was like going to do doing something that wasn't supposed to be. And she was like, and she said to the kid, like, I don't trust you because to do whatever. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I knew I felt my heart. You, you wanted to just go fix that. <laughs> oh, Cause I was like, lady, I know you don't know, but you can't say things like that to your no, kid. No. I'm guilty of it too, by the way. But I yeah. now on the other side, having yeah, gone through all you can gone through, I know that like those things that you we say to our kids, like, think comment, like I you. don't trust you, that kid's gonna have fucking trust issues. Like there I just like yeah. I have I mean, I have a lot of abandonment issues, you know, it's like my, yeah. my brother was like the hero in my house. And I was the like late bloomer and like, you know, wallflower. And like that caused a lot of like, I didn't Me get too. enough as a kid. And now I'm like, now I can't get enough because I didn't get enough as a kid. But yeah, like, there you go. Mind-blowing thing how to it learn. Can happen. Yeah, it is. And I, that is hopefully that mom one day will say something like, I'm so sorry I said that to you. And the child says, you know, you said this to me because kids remember, four-year-olds will remember that. And hopefully she'll create an environment where she can actually give the child a chance to say, this is how it made me feel. And, you know, and it's done, children are not intentionally trying to be naughty or difficult. They're trying to just deal with life. And if we can give them the tools to tell their story and the mental skills that we develop, I mean, just it's so different. If you think of a lot of what you've just said, how you have been running your life has been so related to how you grew up. And yes, you know, your parents are the best. So you're not blaming them. You just need, we just need ways of communicating. As you keep saying, let's have these conversations as hard as they are. That's why I'm so hot on let's get, let's not just deal with this side where we adults and adolescents and whatever and fixing the problems, but let's be proactive as well. So I see your book is, you know, it plays. And it's also, you know, yeah, it's also intertwined, you know, it's like, it's just, and that's why I'm, I'm really proud of this book because people ask me like, what's the book about? I'm like, it's a, it's a memoir meets business book, you know, because so many of the things that we apply to how we conduct ourselves on a personal level, apply to how we conduct ourselves in business and vice versa. It's all so intertwined. And, you know, and I, and that's really like kind of the, the kind of the cross section I was, I think I, I was trying to create with this book. Yeah, of like, for sure. There's a, there's a lot of practical stories in the book of yes. like how we do things, how we scaled the business, how we raise money, all of that stuff is in there. But yeah. it's like so much of all of that stuff is informed by how we are, you know, in our in like how we are like in what's the word I'm looking for like our mental like makeup mental, and how, mental yeah how we are in our mind at the at the moment because our mind, mind drives that, everything yeah. yeah how our mind is driving everything it's our liveness well on that note Ellie I'd love I, this is we heard we got to, we could carry on chatting all day we'll have to do another conversation we have to do a part two um, yes. where can people okay. get hold of your book the messy truth how I sold my business for millions but almost lost myself. Where can they get the book? Um, you know, it's available on my website, which is just alleyweb.com. You can also go to Amazon. I'm going to be um, releasing an audio version too. So yeah, you can kind of get it anywhere you get books. Fantastic. And they can follow you on Web. Your, your social media handles, we'll put those yeah. in. We'll put those yeah. in the show notes as well. It's been so great talking to you. I feel like this is just the conversation that started. We could just carry on. It was it was I amazing. Know. Thank I you know. so much for joining me today and being so vulnerable and honest and giving people a lot of really good down-to-earth practical life skills. Yeah, thank, well, you. thank you. It's so nice to meet you in, in kind of person. <laughs> yes, it is. It's so nice. I appreciate it as well. Well, thank you for joining me today. Yes. Thank you. Thanks so much.